0: Oh, what does dark humor and food have in common?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: Only some people get it.
1: (laughs) 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 I've never
0: heard that. So today we have my brother on the podcast, and we are going to talk about multi-layered communication and parallelism and polygonism and
1: as as we grew up knowing it dark (laughs)
0: speech (laughs) yeah um so so yeah so we don't know exactly where it's gonna go but that's what makes it interesting right um so i guess to first of all can you sort of explain for people who didn't grow up with us which is everyone um (laughs) what exactly John
1: sitting at home listening to this podcast like (laughs) Thanks a lot, Wait a guys.
0: minute. <laughs> um, basically, just like what what we mean when we say everything that we did as kids was dark
1: speech. <laughs> okay. Well, so for those of you who don't know, I don't know how much you've gotten into this on your podcast, but we were homeschooled, and we didn't have a lot of friends our age, so there's three of us. Um, I'm the oldest, I have a younger brother, and Emily's the youngest of the three siblings. And so we all mostly hung out with each other. And so our social network was just the three of us. And so we developed a shorthand, the way you do with people you spend time with. Inside and, jokes. And yeah, we we have a lot of inside jokes. We have a lot of um, things that are You know, if we reference something, the other person immediately knows what we're talking about without having to go through this long, you know, explanation. And the other part
0: of that is that we just all have the same reference bank because we watched all the same stuff. Yeah, so
1: because we have a lot of the same shared experiences and have kind of grown up developing our communication together, we have a lot of things that we immediately can share and assume when we talk with each other, that, that other people don't always understand when we get together. And so (laughs) a frequent thing is we'll get together in a group setting. Like we'll have a, you know, a bunch of friends over for an evening or something. And people who don't know us well, will always comment. You guys are like, so like, you'll talk about something. We don't know what (laughs) you're talking about.
0: Well, even people that do know us, like our mom, for example. But no, we call it the conglomerate mind because it's not only a matter of um, having the same knowledge base that we're coming from, but we know each other well enough to know, as soon as someone says something, where the other people are going to go with it. So we can kind of project, you know how, well, uh, something that we're going to talk about, too, is... The formula of comedy and how jokes are set up. And if you know sort of those formulas, you know where something is going to go. And we have just basically all communication done.
1: We down. just basically lived a joke yeah, our whole life. Yeah, basically,
0: our life is one big joke, is the main <laughs> takeaway here. <laughs> but anyway, so we, we, <clears throat> this is something we talk about a lot, <clears throat> is the nature of the way comedy a lot of times, um, is not only saying something on the surface, it's saying something on the sublevel. Um, and so I find that in an interesting parallel because that's kind of what I'm trying to do here with this Adventist millennial thing in, in that satire does that a lot. It says one thing and means another thing kind of, um, but there's also the parallel of how the Bible is interpreted and has a lot of symbolism and double meanings and deeper meanings and things like that. So we just wanted to kind of explore, I don't know, the conglomerate mind of where that <laughs> rabbit trail takes us. So, um, can you think of any examples, like from comedy or TV or pop culture, of this sort of layered communication that we're talking about?
1: Well, yeah. So, you know, what we're what we're kind of digging into is. The idea that when you when you're talking and communicating on this sort of meta level, you're not sharing just the initial idea of what is embedded with the words that you're using. So, if, for instance, if I say something like um, "this table is white," you know, I, there there's a very clear, concrete meaning in the in that sentence. I'm describing an object. Um, and then you have statements that require context for you to understand that in addition to the literal meaning of the words that you're saying also carries a second meaning or sometimes the primary meaning which is something that if you're like us uh we have asian uh culture as part of our heritage where uh, our mom is filipino so there's there's a cultural thing in Asian cultures and other cultures where when you're talking about something you don't address it directly (laughs) and so you see this in in uh, people who are passive aggressive in the way they communicate or people who won't come up front and discuss something they'll they'll kind of tiptoe around the issue so that they don't Embarrass anybody by not directly addressing this and this is something you see in church culture as well where you'll you'll talk about something when you really mean something else and So for me at least this is an area that we like to explore philosophically a lot um, with comedy because when you're talking about metacommunication and these kind of multiple layers of meanings a joke is a good way to break that idea down where you have to have some sort of context, or some sort of reference understanding what you're talking about in order to get the second meaning. So often the way a joke is structured is there'll be a little bit of information and then the joke leads to a punchline, which if you just take the words of the punchline It just means something literal, but then because of your shared understanding of the context of what that joke is implying, there's another meaning. And so puns are a great example of this, where um, a joke that we had a great laugh about recently, we were in a group, was (laughs) two, two peanuts were walking down an alley and one was assaulted. So that joke... Only works if you have a grasp of the English language and you understand the pun which is being yeah. made of a Word. peanut uh-huh. yeah, a peanut being a salted peanut uh-huh. or a peanut which <laughs> has been well thrust upon violently.
0: <laughs> you, right, you have threefold knowledge there. One the knowledge of alleys being dangerous and you can get assaulted in them. One, that you have salted and unsalted peanuts. And, t- wait, one, two, and three, um, the fact that the word assaulted sounds like a salted colloquial, colloquially spoken. So if you don't have all three of those bits of knowledge, you end up with another version of the joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's interesting when you understand that a lot, of, a lot of comedy, um, and some people are really good at taking this outside of the realm of comedy, and sometimes you'll see the way that this type of communication is, is handled sometimes in uh, like culturally within religion. Um, some people are really great at using metaphor and symbolism in the way that they speak and interact um, to kind of clarify the ideas that they're talking about. Um, but I think I think the primary reason we love to talk about it is because we're such big fans of comedy, and tend to have a shorthand <laughs> that is sort of comedic in itself. And so we're constantly talking about things and joking with each other in ways where there's multiple things going on. But then some an outsider looking at the way that we talk, yeah. sometimes can't keep up because we have such a a broad contextual uh, framework that we're starting from.
0: Yeah. And the, re- uh, the, we- the reason why I like comedy, comedy can be simple in that it's like slapstick comedy or just very face value. Like, ha ha ha, I'm laughing at something that's incongruous. I'm laughing at whatever. But the co- types of comedy that we like are those saying one thing, but meaning something, very, you know, that's on the on the subtext level. Like, okay, here's a good example. This is one of my favorite multi-layered jokes. Um, did you hear about Ryan Seacrest's beard?
1: Uh, no.
0: Rumor has it she was a former Miss Teen USA. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, like, multiple <laughs> meanings there. But you have to... There are multiple meanings there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Oh, shoot, I can't remember
1: it now. Okay, well, you brought up anti-jokes. And anti-jokes are, for me, um, I love anti-jokes. And and I think kind of a little more than is typical. Uh, My wife likes things that are kind of broad out, you know, ha-ha funny um, so like sitcoms and, and broad romantic comedies those kinds of things. She really really likes those. I have a harder time getting into that um, even though I do enjoy them. I like anti-jokes a lot which my wife finds to be dumb. Now the reason that I think I like anti-jokes so much and this is a kind of a shared passion of ours is because when you when you really like jokes and the structure of jokes and you've told a lot of jokes, and you like comedy, as you start to understand the nature of how a joke works, anti-jokes are sort of jokes for people who know what a joke is. So for me, one of my favorite anti-jokes is, what did the lawyer (laughs) say to the second lawyer? What? We are two lawyers. (laughs) Now... that may not sound funny to you if you don't like anti jokes. Right. Now, and, and just briefly to describe what an anti joke is it's a joke that isn't really funny on purpose. The punchline <laughs> is an unfunny punchline. And the reason that it's funny is because if you have told enough jokes and, uh, and you can follow the classic setup, and then an unexpected twist as the punchline, then when you tell an anti-joke, you're setting up the expectation for a humorous and unexpected punchline, and when you subvert the expectation of something that's humorous and unexpected by t- saying something that's not funny, yeah. then it becomes <laughs> an anti-joke. Right. So another anti-joke that I love is, why why did the plane crash? Why? Because the pilot was a loaf of bread. <laughs> so So let me let me talk about those two jokes. And so on one level, the pilot that's a loaf of bread is just an absurd it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So the the humor comes from it being unexpected, but it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. It's it's a meaningless a meaningless answer to the, the riddle. Often jokes are predicated on puns or a humorous double entendre. This is funny because you're expecting some kind of clever answer to the to the question. But the ridiculousness of the situation, well, a plane could crash if there was no pilot. If the pilot was a loaf of bread, then yes, the plane would crash. Right. It's sort of funny because you're not expecting for the answer to the joke to be nonsensical and illogical. <laughs> now, that's one level on the the logic or the formula of an anti-joke. The reason I love the lawyer anti-joke is because it works on a second level. So, if you're expecting there to be some kind of clever, funny answer and then you get a boring, you know, droll answer like, we are two lawyers... That's an anti-joke in the sense that it subverts your expectation for a funny punchline. Where it goes a second layer <laughs> is because if you know anything about lawyers, again, contextually, you have to understand a little bit about the, the trope of lawyers being very buttoned down and precise about the way they interact. Um, and so then for a lawyer to say something that does not indict him in any way and is very factual. We are both lawyers. <laughs> it's a factual statement that you can imagine a really uh, unhumorous lawyer making. So, because there's a second layer that's also kind of working on this level, it bumps that up for me in terms of the layer, <laughs> the levels upon which the joke is working.
0: Right. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit about satire too, because with satire. <clears throat> I find it really useful in uh, um alerting people to like cognitive dissonance. The cognitive dissonance of something that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. If you construct a joke around that, people are more likely to see it, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the hope is people are more likely to see it than if you just come right out and tell them like you're wrong. In in setting it up, um you're being, at least I'm trying to be really intentional about, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. Let me construct the joke so that if you want to think about it that hard, you can see the, the thing that I'm trying to reveal through the joke. So like, for example, this bit series I did on the 28 fundamental beliefs, where, where, um, basically I was trying to give a exact or a caricature of someone who really believes in the fundamental beliefs but is describing them in a way that most people would disagree um to show some of the some of the ways that we sort of distort are either distort what we believe or actually believe uh, um things that we shouldn't um but i don't know I don't know, maybe it's something that you guys should let me know how how you received it and just watching it, if it was effective in m- making people think, like, hmm, do we really believe that? Because that's kind of not a great thing to believe. Or, and here's another thing, too. <clears throat> you have kind of the quote-unquote liberal to conservative spectrum of Adventism and when I, before I do anything, usually I'll pitch it to a couple of people. Well, if it's a real, quote, liberal Adventist, they'll be like, that's super benign. If it's a more conservative Adventist, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, like, there's this kind of bifurcated audience even where I, I don't know who I should be speaking to in the sense that obviously one thing is I don't know. I I don't know how to separate like.
1: Well, and it, and sometimes it's it kind of depends on who you're skewering. <laughs> right. Like the joke can can kind of make fun of sort of the liberal approach to Adventism or the con- the conservative. I mean, because the conservative uh, stereotype is so concrete mm-hmm. and we have a really good grasp of that. I mean, that's very easy to parody, and most people. Have heard that. I mean, very, very often it's easier to make fun of concrete um, stereotypes. You know, the uh, conservative, um, conservative uh, idea of somebody, whether it's in religion or politics or whatever, um, that's usually well defined. Yeah, there's, there's hard edges around that concept, and so. That's pretty frequently what you'll see lampoon yeah uh, because the further you go on the openness spectrum, it becomes harder to define in concrete terms sometimes that's harder to uh, make fun of yeah and kind of find those logical inconsistencies but um, you know like you said when when you're making fun of you know something that you see as Something that doesn't make sense. It depends on who you're doing it to, yeah, right. and that will color how they receive the joke.
0: Yeah, and how effective it is. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough thing. I mean, really, I'm trying to speak to people my age who are are or have been at some point sort of disillusioned with with the church, and so that tends to usually because we're all familiar with the real strictly conservative side of Adventism tends to be that. But, you know, I I do feel kind of caught in the middle of the continuum where I see things on all sides that I'm like, "Mm,"
1: yeah, I mean, deserves a little bit of. I would agree that that's probably the the odds are the pendulum is going to swing towards the more liberal side because of Adventism's roots in conservatism and very... Rigid approach to the way rules work, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think you know, like you said, there are areas where you can kind of swing too far. Yeah. And in the cases where it does, I mean, at least from your perspective, goes too far the other way, then it becomes rife comedy material.
0: Yeah, right. The reason I'm kind of coming at coming at it with the approach of jokes is because that's how I communicate anyway. Um, And so to see my religion from that perspective is is kind of my default. And so we could, you and I could talk all day about how to construct jokes, how comedy works, what's the formula, all that kind of stuff. But maybe that's not really interesting for people. But anyway, that's kind of pulling back the curtain of why I'm trying to, why I'm taking this angle on it and sort of the mechanics of how I'm trying to do that. So, I don't know.
1: Do you think anybody like, gets what you're trying to do with this podcast? I don't know!
0: Let me know, you guys, if if you are... I know I've gotten some messages from people who uh, say they've been enjoying them, Um, but obviously I don't think most people are are on the wavelength of let me sit down for two hours and deconstruct why something (laughs) is a joke to begin with. Um, But I do... I have heard that people are liking the the jokes. So,
1: So for those of you who are listening who know people who are constantly telling jokes <laughs> or like to watch a lot of stand up, rec- recommend a <laughs> podcast yes. to them because so, maybe we'll find some people who can join the conversation yeah. from the comments. Not only,
0: right, join the conversation, but give feedback and, you know, sort of. I don't know. I think it would be cool if we had, like, this little Adventist subculture of, like... uh,
1: (laughs) Of laughing at
0: everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that would be funny.
1: What's your, your, uh, like, your philosophy on comedy? Because I feel like, I feel like for me, people, you know... I've heard a few comments, usually it's people who know us fairly well and have seen us interact in our kind of sibling mm-hmm. group dynamic, they'll be like, you guys are always so, like, you always laugh so much.
0: <laughs> and it's almost, it's almost that passive-aggressive passive of like, it's interesting, but really like, do you have to laugh so much? <laughs> right.
1: But I mean, I, I feel like people have a hard time kind of grasping even... Why we're like this? Yeah. Well, and... even
0: our parents were here last weekend, and one of the things, hi mom. One of the things that mom said to me was like,
1: "If you're four subscribers, right?
0: <laughs> yes. She's downloading it twenty five on twenty five different devices. Hi. No. Um. She said, uh, something like, Do you just think of everything as funny, or do you? Um. I don't know. I.'" I guess that's the answer is I just think of everything as because I didn't understand the, the well, other that's... option.
1: <laughs> and well, that's kind of, I mean, to me, that's kind of the implication when I hear right. people, you know, in that space, it's sort of like they're, they don't understand if we just don't take anything seriously right, yeah. mm-hmm. or if they are asking, you know, do you find something humorous or see something comedic about everything yeah and i think i mean for most people because comedy isn't really most people's hobby um i think most people kind of assume we're just not that serious of people
0: right and just laugh just can't take anything seriously because we're laughing all the time but i i think not you that I
1: claim seriousness uh, is right. a bad well opinion.
0: and i think going back to what we started out with of that multi-layered communication is We have a lot of serious thoughts, but we approach it in in a way of like communicating things in a humorous way to get at a larger, you know, serious point that you can see too, (laughs) if you're the kind of person that can, you know, ride on the laughter without getting bent out of shape. Because that is it is true that some people just um, get exhausted. With the amount of laughing that we do. <laughs> like, can you get serious for a minute? Well,
1: I mean, I, in in my defense, I kind of get exhausted right? with people yeah. who can't laugh at things. Right,
0: well, and that's kind of, you know, the whole point of, of, like, interjecting this Adventist millennial thing into the larger Adventism conversation is because it's such a serious thing all the time, and I'm like... There's a lot to laugh at here. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And and I think, I mean, it's worth clarifying, at least for this podcast, that it's not that we really laugh at everything. We don't find things to make fun of and, like, that's stupid. It's just, we see multi, we, we see different perspectives to everything so easily as yeah. just part of the way that we kind of take things apart that it's hard to not, it's hard to not find humor in the way that so much of the way we talk about religion and express ourselves with, especially in English, which is such an imprecise language. I mean, there are so many things where we say one thing and mean another. Yeah. And so in those cases, it's hilarious because you're kind (laughs) of like, you know, it's like, you got one foot on
0: one iceberg and one on the other, and you're like slowly being
1: pulled into doing the splits. And yeah. So, uh, okay. Well. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thanks I really, for coming
0: on.
1: I really hope that you um, are able to pull some things that ha- will have a broad enough appeal <laughs> to. I mean, to uh, ultimately, I hope. That you'll find some people who this resonates yeah. with them, and that we can include more people in our conversation of appreciation, yeah. of, and of it, finding it, the humor and just everything that we appreciate about life.
0: Yeah, and, and this is kind of why, why I'm doing this, is to put something like this out there, and not that I'm getting a lot of audience demands, but I'm gonna do what's interesting to me, and this is interesting to me, so. And I think maybe if we do a couple of sort of longer form, interesting conversations with people, um, I think that'll be cool. So we'll we'll see who else I can get on that would be interesting and maybe have some longer sort of discussions like this. So I hope you guys enjoyed this special guest edition. Um, Maybe I'll do more of these if you like it. Maybe I won't if you don't. Maybe I don't care what you think, um, but I had fun, We had fun with that. I cut it down from more than an hour because we like went off the rails with like describing uh, Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner bits and I don't know. Um, but anyway, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at SDMillennial. Don't forget to like the Facebook page and tell your friends about it, and watch my thug life video of Dan Jackson, and have a great weekend. Okay, see you next week.